You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. Today's program series is titled Searching for Certainty, and I have Peter Watts with me here in the studio. Welcome, Peter. Good to be here, Jason. Thank you. We'll talk about what your uh, today's program and also your series is about. This uh, might be the first time that some of our listeners have heard you uh, present this series because last week we were only live in Tasmania. Now, speaking of that, but yeah, you know, this week we are live all across Australia, so we welcome our listeners wherever you are. Um, just if you are listening in Hobart, we are aware of a, an issue with our transmitter in Hobart. We are working towards getting a fix to that, so I'll just promote the app which you can listen anytime, anywhere. You need to choose your location, uh, where you are. When you install the app, you can choose your location. You can set up a profile. You can share programs with others, and you can also listen to back episodes of our program as well. So I'd encourage you to have a look at the app. Uh, Secondly... The Faith FM app. The Faith FM app, that's it. Uh, Faith FM Australia, you can search the... uh, If you've got an Android phone or an iOS Apple phone, you can search the app stores to find the app. Um, there's also the Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au. So you can go there, you can listen directly online. Uh, so, yeah, if you can't listen this morning because of the radio, then hopefully you can catch up with this at another time or even live uh, using the app or the website. So, Peter, your program is titled Searching for Certainty. Um, just before we learn a little bit more about you, just Give us a, a, an overview of the, the series. I know we did this last week, but for our new sure. listeners. Yeah, so Searching for Certainty. Um, I guess, in a way, it's part of my own journey of life. So uh, I mentioned last week that um, I grew up in a sort of typical home in the UK. I went to state school. I learned about evolution. I became a, I would have declared myself an atheist in my mid-20s, sorry, in my mid-teens, through to my mid-twenties, um, and then I had an encounter uh, with God that um, changed my perspective. I began exploring the idea of faith, exploring uh, some of the claims of uh, the Christian faith, and um, and have sort of been uh, looking into that for the last uh, 25 years, I suppose, and more. But the searching for certainty is, I think we live in a world where certainty is hard to come by and we are constantly being told in news bulletins and financial reports that we live in an uncertain world and people are wondering uh, not only where are we headed but they're wondering where's the stable ground today where where am I standing today and how can I have certainty security surety um, you know how can I make rational reasonable decisions if i'm not sure where where the land lies and so searching for certainty i think is is where a lot of people are at it's certainly where i was at and so uh we're going to be looking at topics that sort of um, mesh with that idea of searching for certainty and one of those is does god exist and that's our topic for the first few programs of this series yeah and i must apologize to our listeners if you're listening yesterday i said that today's program was does god exist part Two and focusing on the topic of design. Well, that was actually last week's topic, so I miss I made a mistake there. Today is actually going to be talking about morality, but we will just do a recap on what we talked about last week as well. Um, so, Peter, just uh, want to ask you: Have you done this uh, radio stuff before? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I, I, 
last year actually I was thinking I've done a few um, different radio programs over the over the years um, some of them have just sort of been one-off spots and some some of them been series and we did we started a series a friend of mine uh, Danny Melenkov and I started a series up in North New South Wales you can still catch up with that series on Faith FM it's called Looking Up Danny is currently um, doing that series on a Wednesday afternoon I think it's between 3.30 and 5.30 and um, he's uh, doing that series now with Sh- uh, Sharissa Tarosian, another friend of ours. And it's called Looking Up. And uh, it's looking at basically current events and uh, Bible prophecy and how those two things uh, fit together and if there is any crossover. And, um, yeah, so I was doing that radio show probably from about last April, basically coinciding with the coming in of the pandemic and, and thinking, okay, where are we in the world? Um, and so that was that show. So, um, yeah, I've done a little bit of it of this before. Enjoy, enjoy doing uh, radio. Awesome. So, uh, Peter, there's a couple of things that we are wanting to talk about, just what's going on locally. So mm. tell us about that. Well, um, yeah, so... Uh, Yesterday, actually, I was um, promoting the the Livemore Project. There's a there's a program called the Livemore Project, which is really a a lifestyle and well being program, and it looks at um, health and lifestyle. It looks at mental health. Uh, it, it's basically about how we can uh, live healthier and live happier. And uh, I think we're all interested in that. You know, yesterday, uh, more more recently, I've been getting back into my walking program for the last sort of 25 years. Most days uh, I I walk for an hour in in the day, and that's typically because I have a pretty sedentary lifestyle. Otherwise, I I do a lot of sitting around, as I'm sure many people do. And uh, you kind of kind of got to inject some kind of exercise into your to your you know daily program and for me that's not just about the physical exercise it's actually good for our mental health to exercise it's good to clear the mind it gives you time to think um and there's you know lots of benefits to that i was reading actually on the live more program uh, the live more project uh, which is going to be coming up in um there are the couple of sort of sessions in and around hobart there's one in uh, Rosny, 5th of June, that will begin at 4 p.m. There's another one at Glenorchy, which will begin on a Tuesday evening. And it's a 10-week program, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's one an 8-week program, but it could be 10. Oh. Yeah, you may be. I've, I've, I've uh, read the information that's saying it's a 10-week program. Well, I'm so. going to trust Jason on this one. <laughs> uh, so let's say it's a 10-week program, but it is. It, there's some great information in there. One of the things I picked up was um, that in the last sort of 100 years, since 1900, um, our activity of the average person is reduced by about 70%, mm. which is quite remarkable because obviously we've uh, created all of these labour-saving devices, um, and but we're not moving as much, and that's having an effect on our health. So yeah. there's lots of interesting information in that, and I really would encourage people to get in touch with the Live More Project so and uh, participate. If you want to uh, get more information about that, you can text us on our show number. Now, our number is 0488 That's 0488 Text us the word Live More, one word, and we will send you a link to the website where you can get lots of information about the Live More Project and all the different Program. So this is operating all throughout Tasmania in various locations, so you can find a location that's nearest you. Uh, it also, from time to time, operates in other places on the mainland as well. So if you yep. are listening on the sure. mainland, check it out anyway because yep. there might be something uh, happening near you. Yep. So, uh, Peter, just uh, give us a recap uh, before mm. we um, go to a break. Give us a recap of last week's episode, which was talking about design. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, the show is searching searching for certainty. One of the things that we want to be uh, certain about is is whether God exists or not, uh, because you know people might be wondering why does that matter, uh, and I think it matters a great deal. And we'll actually be touching on that on that in next week's program why it matters so much. But um, we, you know, certainly I I had those questions when I was younger about whether God existed and what kind of evidence would we look for for, you know, that would point us toward whether God existed or not. And last week we looked at evidence from design. That is that the um, planet that we live on is uh, filled with an abundance of things that that have all the appearance of design. The human body has the appearance of design. We look outside the Earth to the uh, solar system and the galaxy and the, the universe around us it has the appearance of design, and is that just an appearance, or is it actually design? And and uh, we we looked at some of that, and, I, and we we discovered that if if things have design, then by nature they have designer. We're living in a we, sorry, we're sitting here in a building, mm. and we there there has to have been a builder. Yes, right. The building, <laughs> yeah, the, the building did not exist without a builder, and uh, just as design does not exist without a designer. Yeah, and I remember one of the key points was that the Earth seems to exist in this Goldilocks zone, which was the right. the perfect location for life to exist and to be supported on an ongoing basis. So today we're moving into a different conversation. Mm. And just uh, briefly introduce that. Yeah, so um, in this question of does God exist, we're basically going to look at it in three separate parts. Last week we looked at design and the origin of life and those kind of things. This week we're going to talk about morality. Is there such a thing as right and wrong and, and how do we know that and um, what are the consequences of, of there being right and wrong and the, what are the consequences if there is no right and wrong? Mm. Um, and so we're going to look at morality this week and then next week we're going to look at meaning in terms of does God exist, uh, what does my life mean, um, how does that add meaning to my life and and um, why is it important that God exists or doesn't and we'll look into that. Okay, so our first song today is called What Love Really Means but just before we play that I just want to remind you we do have an offer that will give you a code word later in the program. It's a little book called Hope for a Helpless Planet and the number to text in and any questions that you have during the program or if you're listening afterwards you can still text in as well it doesn't mean you have to text in during this uh, live airtime you can text in any time we will be monitoring the uh, text messaging and we will respond as soon as we can um, but yeah 0488 880891 and uh, send us any questions or comments or feedback that you'd like to so this song is uh, What Love Really Means by J.J. Heller. He cries in the corner where nobody sees He's the kid with the story no one would believe He prays every night Dear God, won't you please Could you send someone here who will love me? Who will love me for me? Not for what I have done or what I will become. Who will love me for me? Cause nobody has shown me what love, what love really means. What love really means. 
Love really means by JJ Heller. Now I'm with here. I'm here with Peter, Peter Watts, and uh, we're talking about the subject of does God exist? And the conversation is really going to be about morality today. So, Peter, let's uh, get into our discussion. Sure. Okay. So, um, look, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, 1991. What's that? 30 years. Wow, uh, time flies. So, 30 years ago. Uh, I, you know, Time magazine put out a, a cover and it, it had on the cover a big black word, evil. Does it exist or do bad things just happen? And it's, it, it's, um, I often refer to Time magazine uh, covers simply because they often carry um, very uh, provocative or pertinent messages to, to the culture and so forth. But Did you read the article, by the way? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, just even on the cover, which is interesting, evil, does it exist or do bad things just happen? By definition, it's saying there are such things as bad things. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. In other words, even on the cover itself, it's saying do bad things. Well, how do you define bad? Yeah. So, so well, really this conversation about uh, good and evil uh, or good or bad, do those things exist? And I think that people would recognise that we look around the world, we look at the news, we recognise there's a lot of bad news. Okay, pretty much every news bulletin will carry a lot of bad news, whether it's what's happened with COVID in India, whether it's uh, the conflict in the Middle East, whether it's, um, you know, a shooting, a mass shooting or whatever it may be. There's a lot of bad news. Okay, and by definition, if we say that it's bad news, we're saying those things shouldn't happen. All right. And if we're saying they shouldn't happen, we're introducing a moral element to the conversation. Right. When we say something should not occur, we're saying there's a right and a we're wrong. We're making a judgment. We're making a judgment and we're saying something is right and something is wrong and that's clearly wrong and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. 
Now, in terms of a uh, broader question in this series uh, of Searching for Certainty, which is the, 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 uh, the question we're dealing with at the moment, which is, does God exist? Mm. Uh, I think there is evidence from morality that points us in the direction of a higher authority, a higher uh, power uh, that sets up the rules of what is right and what is wrong. Um, because otherwise, it's all subjective, right? It's it's basically in my mind. So if we were to say, you know, h- how do we determine what is right and what is wrong? Okay, so let's have a, a few, let's have a think about some of the options. Yep. So I guess uh, it's what we've been taught. But who, but who taught, who teaches yeah. that? To well, us? where's the yeah. origin of that? You know, exactly. it kind of goes mm. back to what we were talking about in last week's program, where we were talking about um, design and origin of life. You know, I had mm. parents and they had parents, and it goes back to where, at what point. So uh, the same is true with morality. If, if we were taught that way, and that's most of us, isn't it? Yeah. We grow up in a home, we're taught certain things are right, certain things are wrong. Um, but so, you go uh, to different homes around the world and those things can be different. Well, they'd be very different because I know in some, uh, you know, lower socioeconomic societies, you know, stealing to provide for their family is considered okay because they're providing for their family. So they're doing a good thing, even though they have to do a bad thing to to do the good thing. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so that's a, that's a confused um, yeah, and message. Yeah, and about. it's then all about defining those terms. So yeah. how do we decide what is right and what is wrong? So we might say... Well, um, the government, right? Mm-hmm. The government sets laws, okay? It makes laws for uh, the protection or, you know, the benefit of all, the whole society. Um, however, what happens if the government of a century ago set a law and then the government of today overturns that law and sometimes completely upside down. Which happens all the time. Which happens a lot, Mm. right? Certainly it happens a lot. So what you would say is, well, the government changes and the government changes its mind. Or or maybe we might say, well, um, we determine what is right and wrong by uh, popular opinion. Let's do Mm. a survey. Let's find out what people think on any given subject. And when we've got the results in and 70% of people say, yes, they think this is okay, then that's what's right. But mm. what about the other 30%? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, popular opinion changes over time. Yeah. So there's, there's no absolute in all of that. Right. So this is the point. So is there an absolute right and wrong or is everything just relative? Mm. Is everything fluid? And if that's the case, then you actually don't have any right or wrong because mm. it's, everything's just on a, a, just a as, it, as it is. As it is. Yeah. The other thought I had was if it's not the government that decides, if it's not popular opinion, maybe it's my own mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm the one who determines what is right and wrong. And, and obviously for many people, we live in a culture now that is, it's quite popular to say, well, you, you just decide what your truth is, right? You decide what, what is right and wrong for you. Truth is relative. Yeah. And it's relative to me. <laughs> and the problem with that, of course, is when your truth bumps into my truth yeah. and we have a different idea about what is right and wrong. Mm. Um, so the question is, is there an overarching right and wrong? I'll give you an example from a news story that um, I heard about. It was actually on ABC Radio some years ago, but it was a story about an event that occurred in the UK. And um, the, the, the headline was No Moral Compass. Okay, and uh, the story went, a British couple have been handed lengthy jail terms after being convicted of manslaughter for starting a house fire which killed six of their children. So essentially they started a house fire, six of their kids were in the house, the kids died, 
and the judge said of uh, the the father that he was a disturbingly dangerous man and she said you have no moral compass now that's an interesting thing for a judge to say in a criminal case where this fire has um, occurred and six of his kids have been destroyed now here's the thing most people are going to look at that story and say yeah that's a despicable act that's mm. uh, that's wrong that's wrong that you would set your house on fire and mm. destroy six of your kids mm. but what if the you know if the kids are getting in the way of my lifestyle or mm. the the way I want to live my life why not get rid of the kids now of course that that would be a ridiculous argument but the fact is if we can recognize that this is wrong and the judge is obviously recognizing that it's wrong and she is saying that you have no moral compass. Well, the question is, uh, it's kind of implying you should have a moral compass, and where does that come from? And where from? does it come from, yeah? What, what is the moral compass? Yeah. Mm. So, so I think that one of the things that I would suggest is an evidence that there is an absolute right and wrong is our conscience. Well, you know, we are, as human beings, we're not like animals. We, we, we have a conscience. We have... Uh, thoughts about thoughts <laughs> we, we we have thoughts about the life that we live we plan for the future you know we plan weeks and uh, months and years ahead into the future of things that we will or won't do um, and we we also have conscious thoughts about things that are right and wrong so um, for instance you know some sometimes we can uh, we'll have our conscience pricked by something or we might try to uh, silence or subdue or suppress our conscience in order to do something that we might know is wrong mm. or even to us is wrong um, but we might want to do it nonetheless mm. and I think that um, conscience to me is one of the evidences that there's some something outside of us because that conscience is informed Con conscience isn't something you can put on the desk and say here it is it's, it's a lump of conscience it's an immaterial thing if if we don't have a belief in God, we have a belief just from an evolutionary perspective sure. uh, that we just evolved, then does conscience, you know, what is conscience in that perspective? It, has, has it just somehow evolved too or does it really, it doesn't even exist? Mm. Because, I mean, there seems to be some things that we, that everyone would say, you know, that is wrong. Yeah. Obviously there are other things that, that you know are wrong for some people and and not wrong for other people mm. in terms of the, the way they think. But for us, there seems to be this built-in conscious. But where does that come from? Where would it come from if it doesn't come from, say, what we uh, might describe as God? Sure. So um, I, you know, I used to be an, an atheist and an evolutionist. I used to believe in a purely material universe, just matter and energy. And, uh, and if, for instance, we were to say, well, um, conscience is just a, or morality is a human construct, that, that over time as a society we've just agreed that we'll do these things. But you couldn't actually definitely say that something was right or wrong because, you know, every single one of us is but a speck of dust on this planet we call Earth, and, mm. and the Earth is just a speck of dust in our solar system, which is a speck of dust in the galaxy, which is a speck of dust in the universe. I mean, we are uh, 
minutely small in the consequence of the the universe and who would we be to, to determine what is right or wrong if it's just a human construct and if it was an evolutionary thing it didn't exist in the past it's here now what will it be in the future we don't know again it's very fluid it's fluid yes yeah, so there's nothing again nothing absolute now, uh, let's go to a break, but before we do, we'll just remind our viewers, you can text us in questions, and the number that you can text us on is 0488-880-891. You can also text us later in the program. We'll give you a code word to receive this uh, book offer called Hope for a Helpless Planet. So we're going to listen now to... Sarah Croger with a song called Belovedness. You own your fear and all your self-loathing. You own the voices inside of your head. You own the shame and reproach of your failure. It's time to own your belovedness. You've owned your past and how it's defined You've owned everything everybody else says It's time to hear what your father has spoken It's time to own your belovedness He says you're mine I smiled when I made you I find you beautiful in every way My love for you is fierce and unending I'll come to find you whatever it takes My beloved You've owned the mess you see in the mirror You've owned the lies that you're just not enough been so blinded by all your comparing It's time to own your belovedness He says you're mine I smiled when I made you I find you beautiful in every way My love for you is fierce and unending I'll come to find you whatever
belovedness by Sarah Crozier. It uh, brought up some interesting things in that song, Peter. Um, talking about sort of a sense of guilt or shame, things like that in the song, and I guess that's part of the job of our conscience is to is to point out right and wrong. Mm. We were talking about conscience earlier, and uh, but sometimes we can get stuck in these cycles if we if we do have this conviction that something's wrong. And we just feel worthless. We feel, you know, we're in this endless cycle. Mm. There's got to be something, you know, we talked about consciousness coming from God. Well, how does that all fit together? Mm, Sure. So, yeah, I mean, if we've been convicted that we've done something wrong, what do we do with that? I mean, you know, um, thankfully, I mean, um, when we're talking about God's existence, this is where God's existence is good news. Because the God that I'm thinking about and talking about is the the Christian God. uh, And one of the major themes of the Christian faith is forgiveness. Yeah. Right. The idea that, yes, I have done wrong, but there is a God in heaven who not only cares about me, loves me and wants to forgive me for the things that I've done wrong. Mm. So that that's a part of and we will talk more about that in another show. Yeah. But but that's um, one of the reasons why. Uh, I think the existence of God is is so important. We were talking about morality, and I just wanted to read um, a quote here from Richard Dawkins. Now, Richard Dawkins is, uh, you know, quite a famous voice in the atheism, the world of atheism. He believes in a, a material universe, but he said this um, in his um, book *River Out of Eden: A Darwinian View of Life*. He said. In the universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt and other people are going to get lucky. Um, You're going to have to define what lucky is, but that's another story. (laughs) And you won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is a bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil and no good. Nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. So that's an interesting philosophical view of the universe and of life and society and so forth. So so all of our actions, all of our thoughts, whatever, we're actually not in control of them. It's just our DNA. Well, yeah, it's kind of like it's saying that, you know, anything that I might decide to do or not to do is kind of irrelevant mm. because it's just, uh, you know, this evolving uh, situation that's, that there's no right and no wrong. There's no evil and no good. And I think most people would recognize there is evil in the world yeah. and that there is good in the world. And those things come from somewhere. But I just wanted to pick up on this thing dna neither knows nor cares dna just is and we dance to its music what if uh my dna as a heterosexual male you know you you see somebody uh, who you are attracted to and you decide to assault and rape that person mm. um you're brought up before a judge uh, and your defense is well i was just dancing to my dna Mm. Uh, and people might think that, well, that's a bit of an outrageous kind of illustration. I remember reading Time magazine article some years ago, and in the back it was reviewing a book by two doctors in the US who believed in uh, the fact that we just live in the material universe, we'd evolved and this is how we'd come to, and their argument was you can't really blame perpetrators of rape because they're simply acting on their animal instincts from where they came from. And of course, in the article in Time magazine, people were slamming 
this uh, the opinion of these two doctors but that's basically where you get to is if there is no right or no wrong then we're all going to be it's going to be the law of the jungle Mm. Um, and you know we as a society put boundaries in place to make the society free for us to live in but safe for us to live in Mm. and that's why those boundaries are there i don't think anybody is going to buy the argument you know if you're if it's your sister or your mother or your daughter or your wife or your girlfriend that's assaulted and somebody says well i was just dancing to my dna i don't think people buy that at all um it's interesting because um richard dawkins had a campaign in london um where he put a a bunch of posters on red red london buses that would drive around and on the side of the bus it would say there's probably no god now stop worrying and enjoy your life Mm. (laughs) and i suppose it's it's coming from the perspective if you have a perspective that if god existed that he's an angry god that he's a judgmental god and that he is out to get you yeah then you might worry right and we talked about that last week in terms of uh, people perhaps fear or have this obstruction to their willingness to mm. uh, believe in a God because of the image that they right. have created of God. Sure. And this is uh, an example of one. So, of yeah, clearly thing. for Dawkins, if there, if God ever existed, it's the not, picture of him is not an attractive It's, it's not a pretty one and you don't want to believe it. And it's yeah. interesting there what he says, there's probably no God now, stop worrying and enjoy life. But somebody points out that if there was no God, I would be more worried. Mm. And uh, David Belinsky, PhD, he wrote a book called The Devil's Delusions, Atheism and Its Scientific Pretensions. This was back in 2008. In his book, he writes this. He says, what Hitler did not believe and what Stalin did not believe and what Mao did not believe and what the SS did not believe and what the Gestapo did not believe was that God was watching what they were doing. Essentially, he's saying there will be a day of accountability. There is justice. It's very interesting because on the one hand, we talked earlier about what if I'm convicted that I've done the wrong thing? There is mercy available. There is forgiveness available. And and that's what God wants us to find. Mm. But if we shut God out of our lives and we persist in doing things that are evil, that are bad, and that are causing suffering for other people, and you probably couldn't get three bigger um, culprits than Hitler, Stalin and Mao mm. in terms of the suffering they inflicted on other people. Um, the idea of a God is that there is going to be a, a day of accountability. There is mm. going to be a day of justice. There will be a day of justice eventually. Yeah, and mm. David Belinsky points this out. See, these people believed, you know, they didn't believe God was watching. But if God is actually real and he was, uh, he is witness to these events, there will be a day of accountability. And I, I've actually... Uh, had thought of thinking about been thinking about this you know if there is no god there is no justice and i'll explain that so the other day i think um and some people probably therefore would also argue that there's no uh need for justice because we're just material things and so what happens happens well yeah i mean if i'm just a bag of chemicals mm. And I punch you in the face. You're just another bag of chemicals. I mean, where is there is no morality to a bag of chemicals colliding with another bag of chemicals? And yet, isn't it interesting that uh, as a society, we seem to have developed or we have these systems in place. We have laws. We have judges. We have courts. Yeah. Because we want justice. Yeah. 
we seek justice, we seek fairness, we seek... Every day you see. Every day. On Facebook you see people complaining about something if they haven't had justice. Yeah, and so uh, we have this conflict between not wanting to believe in in God, and yet it seems as though the picture of God means also that there is a standard of justice that we, we all intrinsically... Want. I think so. Like, let me explain this idea of no God, no justice, because let's suppose you have somebody go into uh, a school or a restaurant or a shopping mall and shoot 20 people. Yeah. Okay. And then they maybe turn the gun on themselves. Okay. But let's suppose they don't. Let's suppose they survive. He's arrested. He's taken to court. Uh, in, in America, they have the death penalty in certain states. Mm. And so he might receive the death penalty for killing 20 innocent people. But is that justice? I mean, it's punishment for him. It's, it's one life for 20. So but you w- could what argue happens with the 20? There's yeah. no justice for those people. No. In fact, you could argue that you could only really have justice if you have punishment for the perpetrator and compensation for the victim. And the only way you're going to compensate a victim who has died is to be able to bring them back, bring to, them life. back to life. Yeah. That's the only way, right? Yep. I mean, for the family, you, I, you know, when you, families have lost loved ones... Mm. Whatever happens to the perpetrator, it never brings them back. Mm. And and they're never going to get a full sense of justice. Yes, they might be happy that the guy is sentenced, but the reality is they never are really at peace because they don't have back what was taken from them. Mm. And only God can deliver the right sentence for the perpetrator and at the same time, Give life. Well, there's back a, to there's, the a there's a promise, isn't it, in in is. the Christian faith that uh, that one day there is the possibility of of having that life again yeah. for those who, who exactly have been, yeah uh, the whole life after death thing and that yeah. again that's another sort a talk talking conversation in this series and when we're talking about searching for certainty, what certainty do we have beyond death? Yeah, yeah um, we want to talk about that too. Yeah, so. Uh, it's nearly time for a break. Is there anything else you want to uh, talk about before we go, or it's a good opportunity to? Well, I think we'll take a break. But I, I'm, I'm, when we come back, we will talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's no such thing as a game without rules. I mean, you, you were talking about the various societies on Earth. Every country has rules. Every country has laws. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the way that we're able to to govern a culture or a society. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we might talk a little bit more about that. Okay, this is If We're Honest by Francesca Battistelli. Truth is harder than a lie The dark seems safer than the light And everyone has a heart that loves to hide I'm a mess and so are you
Francesca Battistelli, if we're honest. Now, uh, Peter, we're in our last segment. Um, we've been talking about a lot of different things, and uh, I think you were talking about uh, sort of the rules of life. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, obviously we mentioned before that each culture, each society has rules by which we're all, we all have to abide. You mm. know, the, I mean, imagine, you know, driving away from here, I decide to ignore the law that says I should drive on the left uh, and I just decide I'm going to weave my way down main road and um, you know that's going to be very dangerous for me but very dangerous for other people who are not expecting me to do what I'm going to do and so living with laws uh, enables us to uh, have a safe society it enables to ha- us to have boundaries boundaries provide us with a certain level of security in knowing what to expect so if I come up to a light and it is green I'm expecting I can drive through that light without getting you know smashed into have you ever been to a country that has uh, perhaps l- more <laughs> lax traffic laws Peter? I certainly have I, I, probably the one that would be uh, the most interesting experience I've had in on the roads was in Cairo right. in Egypt and Cairo has uh, 20 million people living mm. in that city so it's pretty packed and and it has probably five lanes of traffic on a four lane road um, <laughs> and so uh, you know going that way and then there's another five lanes coming this way and on those lanes not only do you have cars but you have animals towing um, trailers and people walking around and I uh, yeah, it, there's. Uh, let's say I'm sure they have traffic laws, but I'm sure that they're not perhaps as enforced um, yes. as as, as yeah, much as they right. could be. But and the point is, 
you, you know, in our traffic laws, they're designed obviously to keep people safe. And if you ignore them, you 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 risk death. Yeah. I mean, you risk your own death and the death of others. And uh, I've travelled to India. Uh, that was certainly one country where there was a lot of chaos in in the traffic mm. and a lot of horn beeping. And uh, it's amazing how I mean, people still get around, but there are many. Uh, Accidents, many accidents, and people suffer from as yeah. a result of that. Yeah, so we need laws to govern the the culture, the mm. society that we live in. And I mean, like I said before, we were talking about rules and games and so forth. So, uh, you know, every game that we play has rules, and if it doesn't have rules, there is no game. Yeah. So you know, if I'm playing cricket and I say, well, when when uh, when I play cricket. Um, when I bowl, I'm going to use a cricket ball. But when you bowl, you can only use a beach ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not going to get me out too often. Mm. Um, so it's kind of... Uh, well, so that's a different thing. That's actually two sets of rules. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. it's my rules and yeah. your rules. Yeah. So that's, that uh, leads to a bit of chaos as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, and if there is no rules, then, you know, you just run up and knock over the stumps with your hand. You, don't, you know, it's yeah. kind of... You know, it's pointless. It is pointless, yeah. and and that's that's an excellent term to use because in our next show next week we are going to talk about the meaning of all these things. And yeah. um, people, uh, we need to know what is right and wrong in order to know how to live, how how to live a successful life. Um, you know, we you know, there's a golden rule that sometimes is quoted that we treat others how we want to be treated. Um, and, you know, that's fine to a point that, that I think there's, you know, uh, an overarching uh, moral standard by which all of us are expected to, to live by. And uh, like I say, because we have a conscience, you know, we touch, um, we, we touch in on that. And it's it sort of uh, when we cross those boundaries, it does prick our conscience and we can try and silence it, but it is still there. You know, having a solid moral platform as our reference point enables us to live within certain accepted boundaries and establish certain social norms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, you know, in terms of raising children, for instance, um, we teach our children to do certain things and not to do certain things. And the, the motivation, and I think this is important point to make, what's the motivation for putting those boundaries and laws in place? For the benefit of the child. It's um, because we love the child. Yeah. And, uh, you know, psychologists will tell us that um, children who grow up without a framework, without boundaries, without uh, uh, even discipline, mm. um, they actually grow up uh, and and f- face more trouble in life because of the, f- the lack of this. They, they face a lot of uncertainty. They face a lot of emotional uh, difficulty, anxiety, anxiety, etc., because they don't know what that framework is. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose we've all been in circumstances from time to time where we think, "I'm not sure what's expected of me," mm. and that breeds uncertainty, it breeds anxiousness, and so forth. And where I think, where you know what is expected of you as a person um, in any given section, it gives you something to aim for. And I think that uh, you know. Having that moral framework, um, we, we, you know, in this series of searching for certainty and does God exist, um, we're, we're asking the big questions, right? Uh, last week we talked about where did we come from? Um, uh, why are we here? Mm. You know, how should we live and where are we going? We're going to answer all of those questions 
in this series or are going to make an attempt to. But I think, you know, the idea of why am I here, that without a morality, without, without God in the picture, the idea of why am I here is, is a, a difficult question because a, a, a materialist would say, well, there is no why. You are just here. So what do you say then to people who uh, would object to an absolute morality? You know, we've got uh, many in society who, who believe that there is no God and there is no absolute standards of morality. You know, what... what uh, how do we how do we deal with that? Usually, well, I think usually we 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 can be inconsistent in our arguments. So we mentioned Richard Dawkins before. So, for instance, uh, a lot of the more prominent atheists who would argue for there is no God, we are the product of a material universe, uh, time and chance produced what we have here now. Then there's something called social Darwinism, right? And yeah. that is the idea basically that you know if if, da- if um, natural selection is the survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. So the fittest survive over time and the weakest fall away. Why don't we live in a culture that way? Why don't, in other Our words... society doesn't reflect that. Um, well, yeah, we don't find that palatable. We no. don't find it acceptable. And in fact, what's interesting to me is even uh, the hardcore atheists and the materialists like Dawkins and um, like Sam Harris and others... Uh, they 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 would reject social Darwinism. They say we, we we don't want to live this way. But it's the natural consequence of the biological Darwinism. In other words, if if we just got here by an evolutionary process, there is no there's, there's nothing nobody to say what's right and wrong. So if you get in my way, what's to stop me walking over you and trampling on on you and getting you out of the road in order for me to prosper? Mm. If we talk about the survival of the fittest then that, you know, makes um, perfect sense. In but a social context correct. as well. Uh, but we, a society couldn't function that mm. way. I mean, it would be chaos. It would mm. be anarchy. Um, and, you know, um, we sometimes see this in the, in the animal world, you know, where uh, uh, the dominant creature will, you know, tear apart the weaker creatures in order for them to benefit. Mm. Um, and But we as human beings, we whilst that occurs sometimes, when we see it occur, we, we recognise it as wrong. Mm. And so... So we've, we seem to have this uh, built-in compass, this built-in conscience that, uh, that actually tells us when things aren't quite right. I think that judge that we mentioned before where she says you have no moral compass, it's kind of the, assum- the, the assumption is that you should have one. Mm. And uh, as we mentioned before when we were talking about conscience, that, that that's, uh, I think, what constitutes our moral compass. Something internal, and this is what I say because... You know, we're talking about evidence for the existence of God. Last week we talked about design, we talked about origin of life, and this time we're talking about morality and the the idea that right and wrong, good and evil exist in my mind has to come from somewhere outside of me. I mean, I, you know, I can make those judgment calls, but my conscience is, is revealing that, that there's something outside of me that has given me that conscience. Mm, yeah. And, you know, we still deal in, in our society today and in our world today with places that have a completely different framework. And I'm thinking of North Korea. I've been watching a couple of uh, 
uh, YouTube uh, videos of um, some of the things of uh, this is a girl who actually managed to escape from North Korea and yeah. she's she reports on a regular basis about some of the the activities and you know we we watch some of those things and we can see naturally that they're just horrifically wrong mm. you know and yet so for uh, leaders who operate in a world where there is no you know, moral compass, mm. it's devastating. Mm-hmm. It really is devastating to our societies. Whilst we've talked about conscious today, um, in, an, in another show uh, in this series, we will talk about an objective standard because in terms of conscious, we might say, well, that's a subjective standard, right? Because you're, you might say, well, my conscience is convicting me of this and or what have you, but there is an objective standard. We'll talk about that in another show. Yeah, awesome. Well, we've run out of time. We've promised this code word for today's book, and today's book is Hope for a Helpless Planet. And our number is 0488-880-891. That's 0488-880-891. And please text us the word SEARCH with the digit, the number 2 at the end. SEARCH 2, no spaces, just the word SEARCH and the number 2. And we will get that book to you. Now, um, Peter, what's um, coming up next week? Okay, so next week we're going to do part 3, as it were, in this little series of meetings or messages on does God exist, right? So evidence is for, for the existence of God. We've talked about evidence from design. We've talked about um, the evidence of morality. Does morality exist? I think most people would accept that morality exists. Therefore, that's got to come from somewhere. Um, and next week we want to look at um, the, 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 the question of does God exist and does it matter? What meaning do we derive from God's existence, uh, from me personally right here today. You know, what difference is it going to make to my life? And does my life have meaning? Okay. So I'll look forward to that. Now, every Thursday, we're with Peter Watts with this series, Searching for Certainty. Tomorrow's uh, series is Amazing Love with David Maxwell. I hope uh, you can join us both next week, but also tomorrow with David Maxwell as well. Um, that's all we've got time for today. We do hope that the rest of your day is fantastic and we look forward to having you listening tomorrow.